Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network presented by Bet365. I'm your host, BJ Cunningham, and this is your World Cup group stage betting preview part one as we go through how to approach the groups A through D from a betting perspective. I'll be joined in a second by my co-host and friend, Anthony DeBundo. But first, before we get into everything, this edition of Wonder Goal Live is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 years or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. If you have a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we are back from our month-and-a-half-long break because... The Women's World Cup is kicking off on July 20th in Australia and New Zealand. It's an expanded World Cup field for the first time. We'll see 32 teams and eight groups here at the World Cup. Before we get started, let's take a quick run through the odds on who is going to win the World Cup. And as always, these odds are presented by our good sponsors at Bet365. The United States, the two-time defending World Cup champions, are your favorites at 13 to 5. England sitting at 9 to 2. Spain also at 9 to 2. Germany, 8 to 1. France sitting at 12 to 1. Australia, 10 to 1. Netherlands, 20 to 1. Sweden, 20 to 1 as well. Japan, 25 to 1. Brazil, 33 to 1. Canada, 33 to 1. Norway, 50 to 1. Denmark, 66 to 1. Italy is 100 to 1. Portugal is also 100 to 1. Colombia, 200 to 1. New Zealand, one of the hosts, sitting at 250 to 1. Switzerland as well at 250 to 1. China, Argentina, South Korea, Ireland, also at 250 to 1. Nigeria, 400 to 1. Zambia, 500 to 1. Jamaica, 500 to 1. Haiti, 500 to 1. South Africa, 750 to 1. Costa Rica and Morocco are both 1,000 to 1. Vietnam, 1,500 to 1. Panama, 2,000 to 1. And the longest shot in the field, the Philippines, sitting at 4,000 to 1. But we're going to kick things off here. This is your group-by-group preview. We're going to start here with Group A. Norway is the favorites here in Group A, sitting at minus 300. 
Switzerland and New Zealand are a close second here uh, to win this group, both sitting at five to one and then Philippines, a very long shot at 500 to one. Anthony, I just spoke for a really long time there. How are you attacking this first group, group A? Yeah, so kind of one of the bigger differences between like a men's World Cup and a women's World Cup is that uh, as the women's game continues to kind of grow and expand across the world, uh, there still is a little bit of a lag in the competitiveness in some of these groups. Um, So you will see with eight new debutants making their World Cup debuts, uh, you're going to see some more blowouts and you're going to see a lot longer odds, especially on these pot four uh, fourth place teams that come into these groups uh, projected as such. Uh, and you're going to see just general, much bigger favorites to win a lot of these groups. And then we start in group A, which I think is uh, arguably the weakest of the of the eight groups, uh, with New Zealand being the host, getting automatically placed in group A. Um, there isn't like a pot one top tier contender in this group, which I think ultimately opens the door for a Norway uh, as the clear favorite. I don't really see them having a ton of issues. They come into this World Cup with, with relatively inconsistent form. Uh, they've been up and down. They got pasted um, at the Euros by England last year, lost by eight goals. So I think that kind of gets to the point where like, this isn't really a team that I can see making a deep run and, and going toe to toe with the, what I see as the five favorites to win this entire tournament. Um, but I do think that they are clearly better than, uh, you know, New Zealand uh, in this uh, cycle. And if you look at New Zealand, I think it's a real question mark as to whether they would have even qualified if they weren't the hosts. Uh, they've been to the world cup a bunch in their history. They've never won. They've played 15 games here, uh, five different appearances, three games each time. And like I said, they've never won a match. They are the only, they have the longest team uh, or they played the most games without having won a game in the World Cup. Uh, And their form has really gone downhill uh, in this cycle as well. Uh, Two goals, two losses to the United States by four and five goals. They lost by five to Portugal, uh, swept by Argentina in a home and home, lost to Nigeria, lost to Italy. The only win they've had really in the last calendar year was a 2-0 win against Vietnam, which um, considering Vietnam's current place in their footballing uh, history, it's not really that impressive of a victory. So when you compare them to Switzerland, I think Switzerland's the clearly better team on paper. Uh, They've also kind of been inconsistent in general, uh, but they've had a few results you can kind of hang your hat on and say, okay, that's a team that I can trust in this tournament. Uh, They have a new manager. uh, and, And so Switzerland just has a general higher base of talent to the point where, you know, even with home field advantage, which certainly matters for the New Zealand side here, uh, the fact that the Swiss were able to kind of get some decent results uh, last year gives me some uh, cautious optimism that they're going to be the second best team here. So you can actually bet uh, New Zealand uh, minus 120 to not advance. And that's my favorite bet in group A with all of the uncertainty surrounding them and the, the poor form. Yeah, I, that's going to be my best bet, too. I love the New Zealand not to advance a minus 120 because here's the problem. And you mentioned it with New Zealand, you know, all of those friendlies that they had leading up here. If you exclude the one against Vietnam, they've been outscored 22 to one. Like they have been not competitive whatsoever. And so they're getting a little bit of bump because they have home field advantage and their style of play really doesn't lend it a good hand to themselves, given how Norway is going to set up and how Switzerland's going to set up because New Zealand wants to play at a 4-4-2, but they also want to come out and press and they want to try to, you know, make disrupt build up play and make life hell for their, their opponents. But it hasn't been successful. And once they fall behind, that's when you see the goals start to pile on when you face good buildup teams. Norway is a very, very interesting team in that their path to get through here. I mean, we'll get to that and we'll get to our best bets, but it's 
not as difficult as some of the other teams. And, you know, they're sitting at a longer price. They have one of the best strikers in the women's game and Ada Hegerberg, who, you know, won the Ballon d'Or in 2018. She was injured for most of the season for Leon, who's one of the best teams in the women's game. But if you look at the two seasons prior, like she's been a 0.9 XG per minute striker. Like she's really, really good. And Norway plays uber, uber aggressive vertical football, trying to get forward, trying to put pressure on the back line. So that's why you see them losing, you know, eight, nothing to England and having all these high scoring event type matches, but they are clearly the best team in this group. So it really comes down to is like, who's better, like you mentioned, who's better between Switzerland and New Zealand, because the Philippines, as we mentioned, is the longest shot in this tournament and really doesn't have any talent to compete with any of these teams. I mean, there are, there are two goal underdogs to Switzerland in the first game. Switzerland is a very, very slow build-up style team that likes to use a lot of short combination passes and really just, you know, drain the life out of you. They're not very good when they get into the final third. But if you look through their roster, they have a lot of talent that's playing in the Women's Super League, whether it be the Bundesliga, you know, a lot of the top leagues around the world. And you compare that to New Zealand and, you know, the disparity of talent is is pretty drastic between the two. So it's really going to come down to that game of who wins versus Switzerland and New Zealand. And given how short this price is, you know, the Swiss, given the talent that they have, I agree with you that New Zealand, they have not been competitive whatsoever in the lead up to this. And basically we're getting close to a pick them on whether they would advance or not against a team that actually does have talent. I agree with you. New Zealand not to advance and minus 120 is going to be my best bet. Yeah. And I think the the other interesting thing, like if it comes down to a tiebreaker, which is certainly possible. I mean, if both of these teams lose to Norway uh, and New Zealand plays Switzerland and they end up playing to a draw, which is certainly possible, it may well come down to who can run up the score more on the Philippines. And the entire New Zealand attack is basically just Hannah Wilkinson from Melbourne City. They don't have much depth around her and they haven't done a very good job. And obviously they've only scored one goal in doing a very good job of kind of uh, providing service for her. So I think as a one-man attacking group, uh, Switzerland has more depth and it's, it is interesting how kind of women's teams and men's teams kind of have synergy in how they play within the country. Like you'll see this with Spain, uh, you'll see this with Germany, and you certainly see this with the Swiss with their slow buildup very pragmatic approach uh, and how that can kind of inhibit their ability to create in the final third. But again, the overall level of talent, I think is just a a tier higher than, uh, than New Zealand here, the Ferns. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So New Zealand not to advance is going to be our best bet. Look at that. We already have a consensus here in group a let's move on to group B. Uh, One of the other hosts, Australia is the favorite to win this group. They're sitting at minus 200 Canada, the 2021 Olympic champions. They are two to one to win this group. Ireland making their world cup debut is sitting at 16 to one. And Nigeria is the biggest long shot in this group at 33 to one. A very, very interesting group. Anthony, obviously Australia is one of the hosts. So they're going to play all of their matches at home and they do have a lot of talent, but I think you're going to agree with me here that this price is maybe just a tad too high on them to win this group. Well, we're already in Group B. It's time to put my tinfoil hat on. Um, the way that this group sets up, uh, the likely most likely scenario is that Australia and Canada will be the two best teams. They're the two best teams on paper, uh, and they play the other two teams in their group first. So one will play Nigeria, one will play Ireland, then they'll, they'll flop. So the odds are that both of these teams will have six points heading into the final group game against one another. It's kind of similar to what happened with England and Belgium Uh, two World Cups ago. And the way that this bracket sets up, uh, it actually could be more beneficial to lose that game and be uh, the second team 
uh, just based on how kind of the bracket could work out. So I, I will be interested to see if, if uh, they, they go for that approach and kind of how that game gets played out uh, based on, you know, we'll know more as we get closer to the, to the group, but ultimately I don't see a huge gap between these two teams. I think that they're roughly uh, in that kind of six to 10 competitors tier. Australia has what I think is you know, the best player in this tournament and Sam Kerr, the Chelsea striker who uh, has been dominant uh, in, in the women's super league and, and, carrying that into the champions league as well. Um, she's been incredible for them, but I think overall, when you look at Canada's resume, I mean, having one gold at the Olympics uh, took the U S in the CONCACAF uh, final last year, it was a one nil game that was very even that they easily could have won if, if some chances and some big moments had, had kind of gone their way a little bit, but on the basis of the 90 minutes was a very even contest. Uh, I don't think there's a huge gap here. Now you can look at Australia's results too. They have some really encouraging uh, performances and results in the last year. They just ended England's unbeaten streak. England had uh, not lost in 30 matches. They finally did. They lost at the hands of the Aussies. Uh, but overall, you know, given the parity in this group between the top two teams, uh, I think that just getting the two to one price on Canada is a little bit of value here, given that I think that they're going to end up playing each other on the final day and both be sitting on six. And it will be interesting to see how the Game theory works into that. Could there be some rotation? Uh, you know, could the Aussies sit, uh, you know, Kerr to get ready for the knockout stage, depending on where they end up in their uh, group permutation. So we won't know that now, but heading into the tournament at two to one with Canada, I think that's where I'm going to end up here in that one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the price is just a little too high. And I think you're just getting a little bit of a home field advantage bump here for Australia. And, you know, the thing is, is that Canada and Australia have played each other. They played twice in the lead up to this World Cup. It was a quite a lot, long time ago, but Canada won both of those matches that they played. It was, uh, I believe, both of them were played in Canada. But uh, yeah, you know, Australia. It's very, very interesting because, like you mentioned, they have widely regarded as the best player in the women's game in Sam Kerr, and they also have a ton of talent that's playing in the women's Super League and a lot of the other top leagues around the world, like you know, Ellie Carpenter, Steph Catley plays for for Arsenal. They're going to play out of a four four two. And where they're at their best is they have outstanding fullbacks, the, the two women I just mentioned, and outstanding wide midfielders as well. So they love to just create overloads in the wide areas of the pitch to pull defenders away from Sam Kerr and just send in a bunch of crosses to her. That's how they play. It's kind of similar to how the men's, men's Australian team played at the, the 2022 World Cup. And I mean, there's no doubt that Australia has a ton of talent. And like you mentioned, they have had a ton of encouraging results in the lead up to this. But Canada, I mean, they have just as much talent as Australia. And, uh, you know, they still have Christine Sinclair, who's 40 years old now, but is still putting up really, really good numbers for the Portland Thorns in the NWSL. And if you look around their other you know, Julia Grosso is a fantastic midfielder for Juventus. Sam Kerr's Chelsea teammate, Jesse Fleming, had a fantastic season for them in the Women's Super League. Like, Canada has a ton of talent, and they put a big-time premium on getting the highest quality chance possible. And it's proven to be successful for them. I mean, they've had, they've tested themselves. They've played one of the most difficult schedules of, you know, in terms of friendlies of any team leading up to this World Cup. So they are battle-tested. Like we already mentioned, they're the 2021 Olympic champions, so they have experience getting deep in a tournament like this. So at a price of two to one, and when it comes down to that final group stage match, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I, I think that a price of two to one 
is a tad too long for a Canadian team that has just as much talent as Australia, uh, who's getting a little bit of a bump. The other two teams in this group we probably should have mentioned, Ireland is going to be a very, very low block centric type team. Five, four, one, essentially, you know, relying on a lot of direct counterattacking opportunities. Um, and Nigeria has two incredibly talented attackers. Oshayola, who plays for Barcelona, had a 1.4 XG per 90 minute uh, scoring rate this season. Uh, so they're going to be a fun underdog team to bet to score. But again, you know, a team like Nigeria doesn't have much talent in terms of their defense and they've really struggled in that aspect. Um, but will be, a, a, you know, a fun underdog team uh, if you want to bet, you know, maybe both teams to score on that. Um, but that's it for Group B. Both of us in alignment again. Nigeria is really interesting uh, because they're, they're, there's a lot of off the field stuff happening with this team right now. And, and so it, it becomes difficult to kind of figure out where they are uh, there. There could be a strike heading into the first match because of pay compensation issues with the Nigerian football federation. Uh, and they have been in the world cup a lot uh, in their history. Uh, they've qualified for every tournament, uh, but they've only have four wins in 26 matches. You mentioned, uh, you know, the firepower, the attacking firepower, Osasola, uh, third most goals in, in all of uh, Europe's top five leagues last year. So certainly is firepower. And you'll see that with, some of these lower teams that are really interesting, we're going to get to Zambia later. Like there are a few other teams, even like a China who have a bunch of really good attackers who can really make this an interesting contest, but the overall midfield and defensive issues um, are going to make these teams very vulnerable once they go up against more complete teams above them in the ladder. So yeah, Ireland uh, wouldn't shock me if Ireland finished last. You're going to see Ireland be a trendy pick uh, as like a sneaky underdog because they have had some good form. But overall, I don't really see the uh, the overall talent level being high enough, even though they've had, like I said, a decent run of form here. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to Group C. Spain, one of your tournament favorites, is sitting at minus 600 to win this group. Japan sitting at 4-1. to one. Zambia, 100-1. to one. And Costa Rica is the longest shot in this group at 500-1. to one. This is a really, really interesting group. And if you looked at this just from a straightforward lens and didn't pay attention to anything that's happening off the field, it seemed pretty straightforward that Spain would win this group in a runaway because they have probably some of the most, 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 the most talent of anybody in this entire world cup field. But Anthony, there's some, some off the field stuff happening with Spain right now that gives me a lot of pause on whether they're not only going to win this group, but even go far in this world cup. I feel like somebody needs to put like dramatic music behind me as I like tell <laughs> the story of Jorge Vilda and like what's happened with the Spanish national team. But basically last year, if you haven't been paying attention, 
Last September, uh, 15 players wrote a letter to the Spanish Soccer Federation, basically demanding that uh, that Vilda be removed. They claimed emotional uh, abuse and that he was too hard and that he was not fair and, and they wanted him out, basically. And the Spanish Soccer Federation, interestingly, did not. And we're not talking about like 15 just random squad players. There's a lot of very talented players, some of the best players on the Spanish roster. And the result of that is that they kept the manager and said, we're not going to just, you know, give in uh, to to the demands. Um, so he's still managing the team. And there's been a kind of three different groups of players. Some players have said, we will not play for him. And so there's a couple players that uh, would have been contributing squad players that are not in this team. There are some who, under the pressure, I guess, of being wanting to play for their nation in the World Cup, have kind of come crawling back to Vilda and said, you know, uh, you know, I still have my problems, but I, I want to play. I want to contribute. I want to you know play for my country. They were accepted back. And then there were some players, uh, I think, where the, the relationship had gotten so sour that even though they asked to come back, Vilda said no and left them off um, the squad. When you look at Spain's team uh, on paper, uh, they're as good an attack as anybody in this tournament. They have a ton of kind of creative midfielders. They play similar to the Spanish men's national team and that they want to have a ton of possession. There are major question marks about their defensive ability, especially defending without the ball because they have so much possession. And we saw that just in December in, in Qatar with the men's team that when they didn't have the ball, they looked really shaky out of possession defensively. And I think you're going to see similar issues for Spain on set pieces and in those areas here. But uh, with Alexis Petuelas, who's one of the best players in the whole world, uh, Ballon d'Or winner herself, like they have all of the attacking talent. They have a, you know, Barcelona being the best women's team in the world right now. They're pulling a, a bunch of players from that team uh, to play for the Spanish national team. But the question is, how do we power rate and how do we assess like how good this team is if we know uh, that the players don't really like the manager? And we've seen this in the past where one of the leading causes of underperformance of a very talented team at a World Cup is often because the players just don't care. They don't want to play for the manager. The manager has it out for certain players, so he leaves them out of the team. Uh, it's very hard to get a, a real read on this Spanish team because coming into the tournament, they were a team I was hoping to bet as an outright. And I think they've got a pretty favorable draw. Like if they win their group, like Switzerland potentially in the, set, in the round of 16, then Sweden in the quarterfinal, like that's a pretty favorable draw to the semis where they would be the better team. But again, like, can we trust them? I can't. Uh, there's just too much drama going on uh, behind the scenes with the Spanish team. I agree. Yeah, it's it's tough because I, you know, when I was doing my prep for this, you know, I came into it being like, I want to bet Spain. They have so much talent, like, and they probably should be the second favorites. But everything that's happening off the field gives so much pause. And we've seen it, like you mentioned, we've seen it with international tournaments time and time again when there's turmoil heading into a tournament teams often don't perform very well so that leads me in this group to bet a team like japan to win the group and the best price you can find out there right now is five to one you know the japanese team doesn't have near the talent that the spanish team does but what they do have is a very very versatile style of play where they can be a possession dominant team or they can sit back and they can press you and then they can play in transition. The way they press, though, is going to set up perfectly to do essentially what the Japanese men's team did to Spain uh, at the Men's World Cup, where they love to kind of sit back, set these pressing traps, and then just punish you on the counter. And listen, Japan and Spain have played each other in a friendly before. Spain won the match one nothing. They scored in the eighth minute. 
And Japan went on to create 1.6 expected goals and outshot Spain 11 to 6. So for a Spanish team, like you mentioned, that out of possession is not good in transition defense, playing a Japanese team that is very, very good in transition, has been battle-tested, played at the She Believes Cup, has played, tested themselves at a lot of difficult competition throughout friendlies. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Japan comes away with this group and, and wins it just like the men's team did uh, at the World Cup. And the other two teams in this group, Zambia is going to be a fun team. The price on them to advance is is a tad too low for me. You know, I can't get on, you know, five to one. If you give me 10 to one, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. They have two great strikers, Chanda and Kundananji, who both play for Madrid, say FFA, who finished fifth in uh, Spain this season. Um, you know, Kudananji bagged 25 goals and was, you know, second in the golden boot race in Spain. So they're a team much like Nigeria, who's going to set up in a 4-4-2, play very, very direct, but they have a ton of pace going forward, ton of power, two great strikers can give a lot of problems. And Zambia leading up to this World Cup has had some impressive results. They lost to Ireland 3-2, but won the XG battle 2.1 to 1.5. They drew Switzerland 3-3, won the XG battle there. And then they beat one of the tournament favorites, Germany, 3-2, to two, although Germany kind of dominated them on XG. But it's still, it's very, very impressive for this uh, Zambian team who uh, made a deep run in the Africa Cup of Nations, making it to the semifinals to potentially get out of this group. Uh, you know, and the other team, Costa Rica, just really doesn't have the talent to compete. You know, 19 of their 30 players are playing domestically in Costa Rica. So, um, you know, when Zambia plays Costa Rica, if we can get a decent enough price, I'll bet on that. But Zambia, much like much like Nigeria, is going to be a very, very fun team to bet to score against both Japan and against Spain. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at Zambia, so they kind of broke onto the scene at the Olympics uh, when they had a first they had a 10-3 loss to the Dutch. So that wasn't a great opening game, but, you know, scored three, scoring three goals on the Dutch is is not nothing to be sneezed at. Uh, and and then they you know had a comeback draw against China four four and then played Brazil pretty much even uh, they you know they defended deep and were dangerous in transition lost one nil but they were pretty good in that everybody was like okay this Zambia team might be on the rise now they've tried to be more defensive uh, and in the Afcon they were better defensively but again like how good is the level of competition in Afcon uh, it, it's not nearly the level that they're going to be seeing in this tournament they only conceded uh, three total goals in that Afcon. Uh, finished third. None of the goals came from open play. Then they had a couple of friendlies with Colombia that they lost. So yeah, in a different group, I would have been really into Zambia. I, I just think the Japanese floor is pretty high. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, of course, like Spain could have like this mutiny could just be that detrimental, but even still with Spain, like there's just so much talent. They have three players uh, in the top 12 in the golden boot odds, including uh, Redondo from Levante, who was the leading goal scorer in Spain this year. She's awesome. Uh, like they're going to have so much firepower and those three players doesn't even mention, uh, you know, with Gonzalez and Hermoso and then, and Petuelas, like they have so much talent, uh, in going forward that I think they're going to score a lot of goals on Zambia, uh, which is going to be a problem for them to advance. So yeah, not a good enough number on Zambia to advance, but uh, I think the Japanese floor, even though this is not the Japan of the last decade, like that generation has definitely turned over and this one is just not quite as talented. Um, Japan is more in that like 10 to 15 range for me than a normal top, top contender. Right. And I, you know, this is also kind of a, a good picture on the the lens of like the disparity of talent in the women's game, Spain, you know, some of the, some of the world cup qualifiers happened before the euros. So, and then some of them happened after, 
they outscored their opponents 53 to nothing in the World Cup qualifiers, which is going to be similar to, you know, England and all these other top teams where they just punished everybody throughout World Cup qualifying. So you can't really take into account those matches, you know, against the Faroe Islands, Hungary, Ukraine, Scotland, you know, some of the teams that aren't really in this World Cup. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, well, when we get into the individual matches, I think Zambia will be a, will be a very, very fun team uh, to bet. All right, let's move on to Group D. One of the tournament favorites, England, is one of the biggest favorites to win a group at over minus 3,000. Denmark is 12 to 1 to win this group. China sitting at at 40 to 1 to win this group. And Haiti is the longest shot at 80 to 1. This seems like one of the more straightforward groups, uh, in in my opinion, that I believe that England and Denmark are just going to go through. And I think that the odds are just a tad too high, uh, first of all, on England to win this group and to advance. I mean, there's no way I'm going to you know, pay that <laughs> drastic of a price. I mean, England is pretty straightforward, you know, the second or third best team talent-wise in the world. Um, and Denmark, you know, who, who does have a lot of talent, I would have loved to get them in this group over China, but the odds have just kind of gotten too big on them. So um, I am passing on this group. Do you have any thoughts uh, here on Group D? Yeah, I mean, I think England is a little overvalued. Uh, I am not seeing what everybody else is just given the injury situation. Uh, I get why England is, is priced where they are. And I get why they're minus three thirty to win this group. I get it. Uh, they won the euros last season, uh, last summer, they beat Germany in the final, but they lose uh, Leah Williamson, who's their captain and their best defender. Uh, they lose Beth Mead, who was the leading goal scorer at the euros. Uh, mm-hmm. They lose Fran Kirby to injury. Now, uh, they have lost a ton of depth and key pieces in every part of this team. Uh, even even if Mary Earps is the best goalkeeper in the world, and that's still going to be a huge strength for them. Like this is a dangerous path for the English, and I can't get to the number in terms of just speaking outrights. And we're going to do more kind of on the general picture of the whole field tomorrow uh, on our show. But I, I think that the injuries here are going to be a problem when you consider that they're going to potentially have a path of. Canada or Australia, then Germany, then France, and then the United States. That's like the hardest path they could face. They would have to beat the four other best teams in the world mm-hmm. to win this tournament. And you're only getting like plus 430 on them to win the whole thing, plus 450. Um, I know how good uh, Wiegman's been since she came in, 31, 30 wins in 31 games. It's very impressive. But you're mm-hmm. buying at the peak value on them. Uh, and and if you go back to that Euro final, like I had Germany in the final, uh, Germany didn't have uh, Alexander Pop, who's their best player, their best striker. And Germany still had more shots, more expected goals, created more chances, like just kind of controlled the flow of the mm-hmm. game, lost 2 1 an extra time. Uh, this England team was at home for the whole tournament uh, and still didn't dominate the way that I thought they could have. Uh, the quarterfinal game was also very even. They had one impressive win against the Swedes. So I think that there's some holes in this English team just because of all the injuries. Uh, and I think that's going to make them a little bit vulnerable, even if uh, they probably win this group going away. I just don't think it's going to show up in this group. Uh, When you look at Denmark, like Denmark has, uh, it's kind of similar to the men's in the same way that they had that magical Euro run back in 2017. And then they've been trying to recreate that magic. And and, and like we saw last year at the World Cup in the men's, they weren't able to recreate it. Um, They do get harder back. She wasn't expected to potentially miss this. She's their best player in terms of scoring goals, creating chances. Uh, they just signed, she's just going to sign with Bayern. Uh, and then Sondergaard's last ride as manager. So like, you know, can they recreate the magic with, with them in charge? I, we'll see. I think their matchup with China is going to be really interesting because there is a lot of uh, 
two teams that want to have the ball, two teams that press a lot, uh, two teams that uh, have attacking talent to create chances. But I think that Denmark's much better out of possession, much better defensively. And I think that's ultimately what gets them out of this group. I thought it would be closer to a, to a, a coin toss and I would have laid Denmark. Uh, we talked about this just before the show, like Denmark at, you know, minus 250 to advance, probably right about where it should be. Whereas if they had, you know, come in under minus 200, I would have laid it on the Danes uh, to advance. I do think they advance, but I don't really see a ton of upside here. The winner, whoever comes in second in this group is going to get the Aussie Canada winner. So uh, that would be a potential underdog spot there, although they could scare those teams and then they would get France potentially in the quarterfinal where I think they'd run out of gas. So I I don't really see a ton of upside for the Danes, uh, but in this group, uh, it's, it's really England and then everybody else. Yeah, I agree. You know, the thing about China, it's it's very interesting because they are the, you know, the Asian Cup champions. Um, you know, they beat Japan and South Korea uh, on the way to win that. But since then, they've been really poor in the lead up to this. Like they've got dominated by Sweden for nothing. They drew Ireland and Switzerland 0-0 and then got thrashed 3 nothing by Spain uh, just before. And then even today, they played against Colombia and drew them 2-2. So I there's you know like you mentioned like they're a 442 team that likes to do you know a lot of like like Japan a lot of pressing traps sit back kind of in a low block and but they will come out and press you and they are successful in doing that they're going to be a team that you know basically all their players play domestically in China which is not a horrible league in terms of talent level um but it's not up to the par of the level of some of the other top leagues around the world throughout you know Europe and Australia the United States you know to to mention a few so it's very very difficult to get behind China, given their poor results coming into this World Cup, even though they are the Asian champions. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, you know, Denmark at minus 250, a team that has a lot of, lot of, you know, a pretty decent amount of talent, you know, with hard, especially getting harder back. Uh, you know, Braun plays for for Leon, one of the best French teams in the world. So uh, very, very difficult to, to get behind China to advance in this group. So I think this is one of those groups where you just kind of have to pass and let it go. But yeah, the Denmark China game will be very, very interesting and pretty much ultimately decide who is going to go through in this group. Um, It's incredibly cool. I want to talk about Haiti real quick. It is very cool that they made it to this tournament. And I actually think that like, had they been in a group with a weaker second and third team, they might've had a chance maybe. Group H. Yeah. Like if they had been put in group H or even like a group A with New Zealand and the Swiss, like Mm -hmm. I would have been more interested in them. Uh, They have a lot of young talent. They're pulling a lot and they've had a real plan. They've gotten a lot of their top players into the, French league uh, and kind of tried to build it from there. Uh, They look really young. They're one of the youngest teams on paper in terms of like where their squad is relative to peak age. Uh, They probably lack like top end technical quality as a result of that. But like they just had Melchie Dumernay join Lyon. She's 19. Like I feel like this Haiti team, if they keep them together uh, the next cycle, this could be like a golden generation of Haiti where they could actually get out of a group and it wouldn't shock me. Uh, But again, like they're probably still a cycle away. Uh, they are going to be interesting. They were competitive. Uh, they had uh, pre-tournament friendlies with Korea and Nigeria that they lost by just a single goal. Uh, in the CONCACAF women's tournament last year, they were significantly less competitive, uh, lost to Jamaica by four, the United States by three, uh, and lost to Costa Rica in a friendly prior to that. So like, there haven't been a ton, but you can see the signs that they're building towards something. I just think that something is probably another cycle away. I'm not really convinced that they have the uh, experience or the current talent to get there right now. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it is encouraging, you know, like you said, like with a lot of their players playing over in France uh, does give you encouragement as opposed to some of these other long shots 
who a lot of their players are just playing domestically in whatever country uh, they are. So encouraging stuff for Haiti, you know, they're, I believe they're five goal underdogs against England in the, uh, the first game, which, you know, maybe, maybe we can, you know, uh, talk ourselves into that one, but probably not. This edition of Wonder Gold is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 years or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. If you have a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. And we'll wrap it up from there for this edition of Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network presented by Bet365. After you finish up our group stage episodes, check back tomorrow when we return with our Team USA betting preview, plus our World Cup best bets. Thanks for listening and best of luck. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.